Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another Only One Hotspur podcast. Um, today, it is just myself and Joe. Um, obviously, good to have good to have you back with us. Um, and we will be reflecting and getting some reaction to our game against Everton, which took place um, Sunday this afternoon. Um, and unfortunately for us, ended in a 1-0 defeat. Um, Joe... Where do we start with this one then? Because um, it wasn't our best day at the office, that is for sure. Well, it is a um, very, very disappointing start to the season. Um, you know, I think everyone was thinking up positively before this game. Um, I know I was for certain. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was giving it a bit of a big to some people. I know going, yeah, I think, we, I think we'll do well today. I think a 2-0 win. It'd be quite comfortable. We all know how that, did, uh, you know, planned out. Not quite the way I had it in my head. Uh, um, but I know, obviously, we spoke a little bit before we started uh, shooting this. I know you've got some quite strong feelings. So what I'm thinking is um, just letting you sort of go str- first. I'll get the popcorn and um, go from there. But do you know what I mean? Like it's. But for me, straight off, like that was uh you know embarrassing i think like you call that a performance behave yourself but yeah i'm uh go on then wes um i know uh let's, let's let's hear it then let's hear it well 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 coming through like jamie with a serious vibe um anyway um with regards to that um 90 minutes i think that was appalling um atrocious disappointing, dismal, all those sort of adjectives you can throw um, out there. Um, I think we looked very, very sluggish, very, very slow. Um, And yeah, it was... Listen, I do not know now what Tottenham to expect. Um, And today was a prime example of that. We took a while to get into the game. I think Everton imposed their their style um, and imposed themselves on the game quite early, quite quickly. Didn't allow us to get a rhythm um, at all. Um, and then we had a, a sort of a spell of about ten minutes, ten fifteen minutes towards the end of the end of the first half, um, where we we looked okay. We looked like we had some form of pressure on the Everton goal, and then. I don't know what was said at half time, but it clearly went in one ear and, and out with the same one. Um, because second half, you know, Joe, one of my favourite phrases, we, we put the kit on. That was that was literally it. Um, absolutely nothing. I mean, you know, we've had a couple of sign-ins. Um, Doherty, I thought, done OK for in about an hour. But he did OK. Um, but I think, as I've mentioned before... Um, you know, and everybody's telling me how great he was going forwards. But I think on players now, we live in a world that is driven by stats and data. And context is left out. But context is arguably the biggest one out of all three. Um, and I think Doherty and Hoiberg, are a prime example of stats and data overriding context. Because Doherty, for all of his um, play at Wolves, um, he played in a back three. Now, for me, if you play in a back three, it's one of two reasons. You don't trust your centre-backs, so you have to put an extra run in there to cover because they're not good enough. Or you don't have good enough full-backs, so you have to push them higher to then compensate. Um, and though his numbers and statistics were suggesting that he's great going forward, right, brilliant, but we're signing him as a fullback. He's not playing wing-back. But today he played wing-back and I think at times struggled a little bit in terms of positioning. Now, I know he's a new signing and I know he's probably only trained for two days maximum. Um, but then if I look over to the Everton boys of Alan, Ducore, James Rodriguez, They've trained for two days. Decore had three sessions and it looked like he'd been there for God knows how long. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, 
all great with these attacking stats, but you know, first and foremost, he's a defender, um, and he's playing in a back four and not a back three. Um, so yeah, context completely different. Hoiberg, my goodness, I know you've talked him up, Joe, but I'd love to know where that was. Um, you know, he was horrific today. He was giving me Paulinho vibes. He couldn't keep the ball. He didn't want the ball. He was hiding. He was supposed to be a protective screen in front of this back four. It's like he was. It's like he was the screen in a shop before you go in to speak to someone behind the jump at a shop, even though you got your face mask on, which is, do you know what I mean, pretty pointless um, to have them screens up if you got a face mask on. Do you know what I mean? It was honestly, he was awful. And in contrast, you've got Decore. Everton, who cost £5 million more than Hoiberg. And Decore was top class today. He was excellent. Um, and it's like, which would you rather have? Like, you know, and then you look at Alan, who was perhaps playing slightly deeper for Everton today. I know he's slightly older, but he doesn't know the league. And yet people are saying, OK, might be a good signing, but might need a bit of time to adjust to the league. Same with James Rodriguez. Them boys, again, looked like they'd been there for ages and they knew their jobs and everything like that. Hoiberg looked like a complete fish out of water. And, yeah, I'm wondering where that receipt is for Southampton. I don't know if we've got a returns policy. Um, but if we have, can we please send him back? Because that was an abysmal debut. And, you know, he knows the league as well. So I can't. I don't want anybody throwing the, the 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 things at me of oh well he doesn't know the league. It takes time to settle in. He he knows the league. He knows the country um, and everything else. And for me, it was awful. Um, and how he bagged ninety minutes, I do not know because I'd have hooked him. I he would have been the one I would have hooked at half time, not Belly. Um, Jose coming out after the game and saying that it was a tactical decision. It's actually killed us because all right, Alan was dropping in deep to get the ball, but you needed somebody on him. Why, why was Delhi playing that high that he was occupying Yeri Mina when his man, in truth, should be Alan? And then the wingers, if they were high enough, could occupy in between the fullback and the centre-half. And Harry Kane works the two centre-backs. That's just how I'm viewing it. I might be wrong. There might be differences of opinions, and I respect that, but that's just how I'm viewing it. Um, Dyer, I mean, did did okay, but if I look at the goal, I think there was also an incident where Calvert-Lewin had outdone him, and Dyer had 10 yards on him. Um, The goal itself, stupid foul to give away in that part of the pitch anyway, because the player wasn't going anywhere. Um, you can argue all you like about it being moved five yards forward, but I think if we're going that far, then we really are clutching at straws. But for me, Alderweireld, get off the floor and jump to try and attack the ball. How? Dyer didn't do that either. Dyer Dyer ended up coming across, but Alderweireld, it's Alderweireld's man, and he hasn't checked his shoulder... Okay, because probably of the way we've defended the line. And Dyer's ended up on top of him. But still, get up off the floor, for goodness sake, and attack the ball. It was the same at Villa last year away. Alderweireld scores an own goal because he's, he's not being proactive enough and aggressive enough to go and win the ball. He's delayed and waited. And all of a sudden, at Villa, the ball's at his feet. He's had a wild swipe and it's gone in the back of the net. Today, he's, he's been caught underneath the ball and he hasn't jumped and Calvert-Lewin has got in ahead of him. Get up, get your arm out and even just put him off. Do you know, it was just, the goal was soft, but then at the same time, we had a free kick in a similar position at the end of the first half and we go short. Everton put the ball in the box and the difference was Everton were marking zonal, Joe. They were marking zonal. So if you put it in a decent area and you have a run on somebody from a standing... St- you, you know what I mean? Chances are, you're, if you make any sort of contact on the ball, you probably have a free header. And if you make any contact, chances are 
it's probably going to go on target. I could not understand that for the life of me today. It was awful. And then we, we couldn't string three passes together. It takes off Harry Winks. He's the only one that was looking to keep the ball, but there's no movement in front of him. There was no one wanting to break lines. It took until Ndombele came on, and the first thing he did, wrapped the ball into Harry Kane. I think even Kane was surprised because he hadn't had it all afternoon. And then Kane had a loose touch. And then all of a sudden, Kane then got disinterested for the first time that I've, I've seen. Kane looked disinterested, not bothered, wasn't willing to chase loose causes like he does usually, you know, was being very passive in the press. I know Jose spoke about uh, a lazy press after the game, but you know, I think there was more than that today. And it was just an awful performance from everybody, pretty much. Davis didn't know what day of the week it was. Um, and that was one of his poor performances. I think that's probably one of the first that I can say about Ben Davis because he is usually fairly solid. But James had him on strings. I know James Rodriguez is a top-class player, um, international player, but then Ben Davis is an international player as well and has played a lot of games at international level and has played in big games at international level. But Davis didn't know what to do. And it's like, well, know your players. Alderweireld at the back, do your job. Get up and win the ball. As a cent- I'm still flabbergasted by that because as a centre-back, that ball's coming into the box. You need to be proactive. You need to be aggressive to go and win the ball. And Alderweireld's standing there. Do you know what I mean? Son look, had moments in the first half, second half, non-existent. Lucas, again, moments, second half, non-existent. Bergvin came on, difficult. And Dombele came on, showed flashes yet again. But he came on in the state of the game where the, the state of the game, you know, he's trying to fix things. And it's very, very difficult to come on in the last 15 minutes and try and fix a game. Very, very difficult. And Sissoko coming on, I could not believe it. I was thinking, right, we might go 4-3-3 to match Everton up here. We didn't. We went 4-4-2. And Everton, Everton at, at one point, playing like it's a testimonial. I think there was one pass that Andre Gomez played outside of his foot. No one's in within five yards of him. It's like, yeah, that's just... I think it was to Richarlison. He was actually offside. But it was just so easy. Passage of play deep, deep in in and around Everton's penalty area. They're pinging it about like they're doing a rondo. Do you know what I mean? No one was getting near them. Nobody, nobody looked like, and I don't like to use this, but it looked like, because I, I believe that players care, but it looked like there that they just gave up. It looked like we were 3-4-0 down and the game was beyond us, when in truth it was 1-0. And it's like, you get a goal, the, game, the dynamic of the game changes. Honestly, I don't, and I don't know... I wouldn't say we're at a crossroads, but it's like, can we be any worse than that? Because the thing is, we've seen similar under Mourinho in his time at Tottenham. So I don't want to say that Jose's on borrowed time or anything like that. But And there was the excuse last season that it's not Jose's team. This is now Jose's team if, because he's got some players in that he is earmarked. We've seen in the documentary about him praising Doherty because he's aggressive. He wanted Hoiberg, so we're led to believe. He's happy with Joe Hart coming in because he's a leader and a character in the dressing room. The, the good thing, I think, though, for Jose is that there is, a, there is a few days left in this transfer window. The glaring one, as all Spurs fans know and know, have known for years, is a centre-forward is a centre-forward. I've spoken on many occasions on how difficult that will be. But we need... Now is the... It's almost like if we don't get it now, then we are... We're knackered, basically. Because, you know, our, our fixture schedule this month is ridiculous. And, you know, obviously, I'm hoping it will ease up a little bit. But a, a club like Tottenham want to be in all four competitions and want to do well in all four competitions. And that when you do that, it means you are going to have a lot of games and you're going to be in the latter stages of competitions. But you need the squad to go with that. I don't think... I think the difference between our squad 
and Liverpool's because Liverpool's squad depth isn't as great as people make out. If they have a couple of injuries, they are knackered, right? But the difference is they don't get many injuries first and foremost, but they use their squad better um, and they have young players who are at an age that they can come into first-team football. Ours are far too young. Troy Parrott, 17. You want to pin your hopes on a 17-year-old at a club the size of Tottenham? Really? Really? Um, do you know what I mean? And, and there's, there's, I could probably name a few others. You know, Cherkin, 18. Are you really wanting to throw an 18-year-old in, in now or at, at the stage that we're at? I mean, it, Dane Scarlett played for the 18s. Um, Alfie Devine played for the 18s. You've got Harvey White, who's 20. So there's one that potentially could come in into cup games, Europa League games, that kind of thing. But I honestly think as well with our fixture schedule, we'll end up doing what Liverpool did last year and putting out a 23 side because we'll have no option. We'll literally have no option. Um, but it's that, would, that, today, that today was Bournemouth because we've seen it before. Yeah, that, so that was Bournemouth last season. It was Sheffield United last season. You know, it was Chelsea at home last season. Do you know what I mean? There's, and and even, I could go even further back and say AVB days. Do you know what I mean? It's, we've seen this before and I was just speaking to a friend of mine um, literally just before we came on and I wouldn't say Jose, like I said, I wouldn't say Jose's on borrowed time, but as Tottenham fans, we, and we go on about this Tottenham way and granted it's probably not got us anywhere, but as fans, we expect to see a certain brand of football and it's not Jose Mourinho's brand of football. Um, so I wouldn't say he's on borrowed time, but if, if success doesn't come, it's not, it's not going to end well at all because we will only, I think fans will only tolerate it if it gets us somewhere. But after today, and I'm being deadly serious here, after today, we will be lucky to finish in the top 10 this season. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Look, the way them lot down the road were looking yesterday. I know they played Fulham, so the context is different. But the way that they moved the ball, the way they manipulated it, the way they had options to play. Again, I know Fulham probably didn't lay a glove on them, but they are looking, they're looking like... I mean, we get it. We get this every year, but you know, with their fans and their optimism. But I think the players are believing in what the manager's doing, which is massive. So the players are buying into what the manager's doing. United have strengthened, and we're on a good bit of run, a good bit of form towards the back end of the season. Liverpool, you know, they're one to eleven. I know they had a massive test from Leeds, who I believe will do very well this season. Um, but their one to eleven is up there. Same with City and City have went and strengthened. They've spent over, I think they've spent like 70 odd million on Torres and Ake to enhance what they've got already. Um, Chelsea spent 200 odd million. I know that they're probably spending now because they couldn't last year, but they've still went and, and splashed the cash. Um, so Leicester were, were still decent last season. I know they dropped off. Wolves will still be will still be good. Everton after today are looking are looking like they could be a force for those European places. So yeah, we we could be in a very, very precarious situation as a football club. And it's very, very strange to say that after an opening day and one game in a season, but the problems have been there longer than just today, in my opinion. Um and yeah, I think and I think as well, we could end up like that lot down the road did last season. I can honestly see it. Well, I'm actually allowed to talk now. Um, yeah. Go. Yeah, so, like, right, pick up on a few things on that in that about half an hour run. What the is that? Sorry, it's like a flying spider. I'm not scared of spiders, but you don't expect it when it's coming across there. You're like, Jesus Christ. More movement than some of the players today, by the way, that. Yeah. Um, like, look, it was awful today. Like, everyone, everyone who watched that game knows that's awful. If you don't think that was awful, get your eyes checked. And you know what I mean? But you can't... 
it, it's it's it, this whole year you've got to bear in mind this whole year has been absolutely mental like there's literally no pre-season like barely any pre-season I know and we played a few games and everything but there's you know such a short break um and you know like if you think about the players must be tired mentally physically and to be honest it looked like that today if that makes sense it looked like they're still playing at the time um and that is not hopeful i guess with all the games coming up um what we've got because as everyone knows obviously if we get through to the europa league group stage um uh, if we get carry on in the uh, carabao cup we've got a big like couple of months um for fixtures but the thing is i think you can't be too negative yet because yes it was absolutely awful and but i'm hoping obviously now it's how we bounce back from that okay if we bounce if we don't react to that performance then that's when i'm going to be really worried if we come out and um do well next game against south well you've got the europa league game but i'm captain the southampton game um and put in a performance i can I won't brush that one under this one under the carpet. I'm not saying that at all. But you can go, okay, now let's build on that. Let's actually progress. Um, because I think there's too many players today, as you said, didn't look like they cared at times. You've got, you're literally 1-0 down between 60, 70-odd minutes or even longer. He's just like, we're, we're just 1-0 down here, guys. You know, if you press them up high in these areas, um, you know, we can create problems. Like there's that one incident where I think it was Richardson. There's three players around him. He's then turned and Hoyberg's then fouled him. But he's managed to get away from these first three plays. I'm like, how easy was that? There's three players around one player. And it's disgraceful. Um, like I think that, that summed up the game, to be honest with you, for me. You've got that, what you know, three players around one player and he can still... Do It just showed the amount of effort, the amount of commitment what the Everton players had compared to ours, I feel. Today, it was nowhere near what we need. Um, I think it was, it was just, it was shocking, to be honest with you. There's no other word for it. Like, you've got players who just didn't perform one bit today. As you said, Davis, that is probably his I think second off game what I can really remember for us. Um, I know he's had one one against Liverpool, one against Everton. Seems to be Merseyside for him. But, but you know, I think you can. But then you've got other players who I don't think performed well at all. Um, you know, Hoyberg didn't have a good debut. I have to, I admit that. Um, but you know, you don't want to be too you know harsh on anyone. You know, you've got to then see how he reacts. It's a massive game for him next week. If he plays, obviously, because it's against his old club, and he didn't have a good game today. So I don't want us to go in. Oh, these new signings are useless or anything like that. You, you know, you do have to give every new sign. I know Everton signings have hit the ground running. Sometimes you get that. Sometimes they do need to take time, even if they are in the Prem. But it's give them a couple of games and then see. I think, as you said, Kane did look a bit disinterested today, which is not good um I, th- I can't really say anyone had a good game to be honest with you like not one player um i think uh, not one player had a good game whether they were on the pitch came onto the pitch um and it's just not good enough the level is what we need to be hitting this season nowhere near good enough um so it should be really interesting over the next few weeks, what transfer business we do, if we do any. Because um, I honestly believe there will be a couple more things. I think there will be a couple of outgoings and a couple, well, at least one more coming in, whoever that is. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know, but I believe there will be a couple more things. But there will need to be an outgoing first. Because I think that's the way the club's now working. I think they're trying to shift a couple to then bring people in. Um, but it, <laughs> But it's not most. It's not the promising start at all, is it? You know, but I, I don't know really what more to say because you look at it and it's just very, very disappointing. 
Um, as you said about, you know, Endon Miller had a couple of flashes when he first came on, first two minutes. But then after that, I'm not going to lie to you, I thought he was pretty poor at times as well. He'd done some really poor things when he came on as well, which you cannot overlook. I think his fitness looked shocking. Like, he literally was walking half the time. Um, he was one of the people in that three who was around Richarlington. He just, like, off the ball, Endombele doesn't look good. He hasn't looked, he didn't look good at all today. I think that's fair to say. Off the ball, he was not good when he came on. Um, yes, I understand he came on into a difficult circumstance, but you should still be working and trying to win that ball, and he didn't. Um, but I, I do agree, he, was, he did try to create a couple of openings, which is good to see as well. Um, I would like to see him start on Thursday, personally, because I think his fitness is one of the things that needs work. And obviously, we should be beating the team that we've got on Thursday. Or is it some... Well, I, I, I can't even remember their name for crying out Locomotive now. Plodiv, I believe, is who we have on Thursday. Yeah, so bunch of farmers. And do you know what I mean? It's like you, you'd like you'd fancy yourself against them. Um, I'd, I'd like to think so anyway. Um, so but then, you know, but then make... with the performance we put out today, Joe, could you see us potentially getting turned over? No, I no because Joe said won't stand for that like we've seen what he's like in this documentary I'm sure what you guys have been watching um, and on that as well don't you worry we're going to be doing a uh, review of that when all nine episodes have been aired don't we haven't just been leaving it uh, <laughs> but we thought we'd do it all at once you know I think Joe said won't stand for that today and he will want a reaction he and I think obviously that's going to be quite a changed 11 on Thursday Um and I think players will be, okay, they played that poor on Sunday. If I maybe make a claim for myself today, he might put me in a team for the next Sunday. Do you, do you know what I mean? I think that's going to be maybe one of our saving graces, maybe with all this fixture stuff. Because if people play that poorly today, and we've got another game on Thursday, um, I don't know. Like, and, and, you know, let's go end on Bele, for example. He comes in, starts on Thursday, and plays an absolute worldie. Yes, it's against farmers but if you go out and put in a performance still you still have to be recognized and um, so it should be interesting obviously Lamella as well if he because I think Lamella obviously play if he didn't play at all today you know what I mean I think we will still put out a fairly strongish team obviously there'll be a couple of players who maybe like Harvey White as you said earlier I think maybe Jack Clark um, maybe players like that might come in but it might make some of the first teamers or people start regularly think, hold up, I know they're not playing the best of people, but Lamella there has just scored a hat-trick. He's looking lively, he's looking hungry. I'm just putting a performance against Everton like that. You're going to be maybe looking over your shoulder a bit and that might then push players on a bit more. That is what I'm wanting to see. That's what I'm going to want to see. And that is what we need. And simple as that, because that is not good enough today. Um, no one can come away with their head held high. No one. Um, I think, well, one of the only ones who literally didn't do anything wrong necessarily was probably Hugo Lloris. Like, he couldn't do anything for the goal. That's literally it. Like, but obviously he hasn't really done anything good, but he hasn't done anything bad. He's probably just coming out. So it's, it's one of them, I think, today was not good enough. Um, and it's just now to see the reaction, personally. Um, you agree with that? Um, I think it will be interesting to see, obviously, like you mentioned there, the reaction of the team, of Mourinho going into Thursday. Um, I do agree. I believe that he'll want to give players that haven't had many minutes some minutes. Um, and, you know, you would like to think that we would have the quality to be but then at the same time, again, if we are slightly below par, I think the, the Plodiv game is actually a massive, massive banana skin for us because if we're slightly off par, they could take advantage of it because it's, it's the game of their lives. They're playing Tottenham. It's like the English are coming, you know, all the media hype around the game, you know, all of that kind of thing. And these, these players that play for, 
for that for that side. You know, if they put in a, any half decent performance, especially with the window being open, you know, it's a shot window for these guys. So I think we have to tread quite carefully, and we can't underestimate them too much because, like I say, if we do slip up or are slightly below par, there is, you know, I wouldn't put it past. There is an opportunity that they could take advantage of that, and then all of a sudden we're getting embarrassed um, and, and and whatnot. So. Yeah, I, I believe that. Like, I do believe that that Jose will make some changes, but you know, I would still like to see a, a strong, a fairly strong side mm. going out. And I do believe that with the way the other clubs in and around that top six um, have have gone about their business, I think we have to cons- really, really consider the Europa League this year um, as an avenue for us to get Champions League football next next season. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. Yeah, so, I think but, I think we've. Now go on. Yeah, I think with the Europa League, I think that's a massive competition for us because, look, let's face it, we're not going to win the Premier League. Um, you know, you've got so many teams up there. Um, I think you've got City, you've got Liverpool, and as much as it hate, pains me to say, it, I think City will be up there this season. Um, not right up there with the signings what they've made, um, and we're not on that level yet because of. So I think we need, and obviously we need silverware at the club. I think it's obviously well documented that we haven't won a trophy in so long. Um, you know, this, this would be our 13th season or something like that, wasn't it? You know, it's 2007-08, now obviously 20. But this year ends in a one, lad. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously you like to... I think I think if we perform to the ability what we should, I think we could do it. But if we perform to the ability of what we did today, might not even make the group stage. Do you, do you know what I mean? You, you never know with Tottenham. That is the problem. Um, but yeah, I fully agree. I think we've got to be looking at, I personally think the Europa League and the Carabao Cup, I think you've got to be looking at them two cups thinking, right, one of the at least one of these two we're going to win this season. That is what I think Jose Mourinho personally will be thinking in his head. Um, because I think he, he he wants to bring in silverware because he doesn't want Tottenham to be the only club where he doesn't win silverware. He'll be going one of the uh, you know one of these trophies we are going to win. Obviously the FA Cup will be in there as well, but obviously I think more likely the League Cup, Europa League, um, will be big big competitions for us this season. Um, but then yet again, we could literally be out of them by the end of the month. So, so it's like stressful being a Tottenham fan, isn't it? Jesus Christ! Um, if if there's any if there's any kids watching, um, it's Tottenham's the reason what leads a lot of adults to drink alcohol, um, literally. Um, but Joe, you mentioned there about transfer activity. Um, we know that the window still has some legs um, in it, and you mentioned that we will be active. Um, who do you see maybe moving on, and and then some incomings um, as well? Right. Well, I personally, I think Serge Aurier's days are numbered. I know Jose Mourinho came out and said what he said about Serge Aurier. But I don't think Serge Aurier is that type of person to want to sit on the bench now after he's played a full season, pretty much. Um, so obviously, apparently, wanted to leave last season, didn't he? Um, and obviously, part of me is just wanting him to leave. Uh, um, as every viewer knows, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, I think it's fair to say. So I think he's definitely going to be one to watch, whether or not he leaves or not. Um, apart from that, I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of a shock transfer. Um, I don't know, maybe like a Sissoko, Lamella, someone like that. Um, I don't think I don't think Lamella will go because he's very settled in England and London. But maybe that type of player who doesn't play every game. I think Sissoko's not going to play every game now. Um, you know, just someone like that. I think we'll go. Oh, that's a bit of a surprise. But I think then incomings, obviously, we need a striker. Obviously, this um, Milik rumours have been going, and they've been going again a bit today. 
Um, but let's all face it, we'll end up with Troy Deeney. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm literally, I'm not even getting excited by it. I'm literally getting, I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Milik is look, looking likely for Tottenham. Oh yeah. An hour later, Troy Deeney holding up a Tottenham shirt. Look, just, just prepare yourself for Deeney wearing a Tottenham shirt, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So in that way, you will only be disappointed because if we sign Milik, I, I don't think that's going to happen anyway. Um, you'll be buzzing if you sign Jordy and you're like, oh, okay, rather than crying in a corner. Um, but then I think it'll just, it'll just depend on every, how many people we can shift out the door. And then I think it'll be a one in one out kind of uh, thing. Obviously, as we all know, the Gareth Bale rumours have started yet again. Um, but the thing is, with this one, I have to admit, I think this is, uh, past few years, I've gone, oh, he's not coming. Um, there's no, no point of even thinking about it. But this year, I think, is actually the highest possibility of him coming back. Um, just because, obviously, Real Madrid are apparently going to pay 50% of his wage. So, say if he did come in, he would be on 175 grand. That's like what we would be paying him. That's just 50% of his wages. That's all right, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but then you've got, so you wouldn't necessarily have other players knocking on the door going, hold up, he's on that amount of money. I want that because he'll be on, he won't be the highest earner at the club. Um, you've got him actually now publicly speaking that he would like to leave um, and that Real Madrid have stopped him in a way. So now that's going to put pressure on Real Madrid to now probably let him go um, and maybe a bit more so it should be interesting I think I, I, I don't think we will sign him um, but it wouldn't necessarily surprise me too much this window um, but it's, I think it's more likely than what it was past few windows um, obviously just gone apart from that I don't have a Scooby we're going to sign to be honest with you or go um, to be honest with you, I just want us to actually play some decent football and actually get a few results. I'm just fed up with it. <laughs> Simple as that. Like, it's just a bit sad, really, isn't it? Um, you just look at it and you're like, you've got, it feels like we've got an obligation to watch them. It feels like we've got an obligation to just keep an interest. In reality, I could have fallen asleep today. Could have had a lovely power nap. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you? What about you for signings? Um, I'm a little bit similar to you, really. I think um, do I see Aurier leaving? Uh, it's one of those. Um, would you like him to leave? Yes. Would I like him to leave? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but with Jose coming out and saying what he said, is it going to be likely? I don't know. Um, you know, and then would I again with Sissoko? Do I see him going? No. Would I like him to go? Yes, please. Um, send me his location, and I will be right there. Um, so, <laughs> all right, Dave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do I see again? Do I see Lamella going? Probably not. Would I like Lamella to go? No, because I think when he have whenever he has played, I know he comes through like once a year, a bit like Santa and the Easter Bunny. Um, but, you know, when he does come through, he does put a bit of a shift in um, and you can never sort of deny a player for that. But then I do think he has um, some good qualities um, about him as well. Um, I think for incomings, as we all know, the glaringly obvious one is a striker. Um, yeah, a bit similar to you. Would, would I love it to be Adrias Milik? Yes. Um, am I preparing myself for Troy Deeney? Yes, um, I was actually preparing myself for Glenn Murray, but then he went on loan to Watford anyway. So, you know, chances are it could be Troy Deeney. Um, and with his comments, um, you know, scoring more goals than Haller and Joel Linton, you know, could be could be an option. Um, but I think it's one of those, from a fan's perspective, we've gone from having, or we've gone from being linked with you know, Batshuayi and players of that calibre. I know Batshuayi's been very sort of in and out at Chelsea, but Batshuayi, Giroud, 
those types of players, and we've ended up with Troy Deeney. Um, it's a <laughs> bit of a come down, um, and and things like that. So oh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those. Um, and Regulon, the left back, yeah, would love that one. Do I see it happening? Not particularly. I think unless we're going to get an absolute fortune for Danny Rose, um, which is not happening, um, even though it looks like he's on his way out. Um, and I think the Danny Rose situation is a bit similar to Ericsson in the sense that he's been a good servant for the club like on the pitch, but I think it's been a bit sour in the way it's ended. But I think the only difference between Ericsson and Rose is that it's taken fans for the documentary to almost realise Ericsson's um, reasons for leaving, whereas Danny Rose has brought a lot of it upon himself because, okay, he speaks his mind and he's got no filter, which loads of people love, but actually he digs the club out more often than not. So it's like, hold on a minute, you're digging out your employers, basically. And I know that, um, you know, if you take that into any other workplace, chances are you're going to get disciplined and you're probably going to lose your job because you've brought the company's name or your employer's name into disrepute. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, but we'll probably forever be a Tottenham legend for that, for that goal against, against that lot. So, you know, you probably may not have to buy a beer at to, in and around Tottenham. Um, so, yeah, like I say, that, that's, the similar, that's the similarities that I see between both of those. Gareth Bale, interesting one. Interesting one. Um, would I take Gareth Bale back? I've been asked this a lot by loads and loads of different people. This answer will shock the many because I personally would not take Gareth Bale back. Reason being is because I want to remember Gareth Bale for what he has done for us. Okay. What I don't want is for Bale to come back and all the fans get really, really excited, but he doesn't. It, it goes a bit sour. It's like that the, we have the big commercial aspect of it. Yes, I get that from the club's perspective. It would be a dream. And he would be marketed like you would not believe. Um, but, you know, would I just love to... Would I love the bail memories that I've got already? 100%. Would I love him to make some more? Most probably. Will he is the question mark. Um, 31 years of age. In his prime, you would argue... Injury record, not the greatest. Can, can we afford to rely on a player that may not play as many games as we would like him to? No. So that, that, then that leads me to the Lamella thing, and that could be why Lamella's shifted, because we can't rely on him. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just love to keep the Bale memories, and I don't want him to come back and almost tarnish what he's done for us already, which there is a possibility we have to think, and it is only a possibility, but we have to consider that possibility that that might happen. Um, so, you know, one of my favourite Gareth Bale memories is two goals against Leon in the Europa League, um, two free kicks. And it's the same game that Umtiti scored the absolute weldy in um, and, and stuff like that. You know, Bale was a great, great player for us eventually um, because his start wasn't the greatest. Um, well, I think he burst onto the scene, obviously, at Southampton, came to Spurs, did okay, but we never won. Always that on his back on his, and, and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it took Harry to get hold of him and then, you know, became one of the world's best at that particular time. Um, and that's the Gareth Bale that I want to remember um, and not one that is coming back to Tottenham to save his career. Um, so... I hope people don't slate me for it because I think I've, I've tried to give a fairly balanced argument for it. Um, and do I see, do I see us getting bailing? Look, the numbers will stack up. The numbers will stack up. We will get whatever money, whatever outlay we pay for Gareth Bale, we will get it back. I promise you, we will get it back and tenfold. He's going to sell so many shirts. He's going to be on every poster, every billboard, every advert going. So we will get our money's worth out of Gareth Bale, even if it is for two years, three years, because that's probably how long he's got left at, at this level, at the level that he's at now. Um, but like I said, I just want to keep those those good memories, and I don't want, I just don't want it to turn a little bit because he. I, listen, do I think he's going to pull any more stunts 
you know, if he was to come back to the club, do I think he's going to pull any stunts like he's done at Madrid? Probably not. Um, because I think he's got Madrid on sh- absolute strings. Um, and it's almost that you love to see it because it's, it's a player that clearly the club don't want him. Clearly the manager doesn't want him, but he's just living life. And it's one of the biggest clubs in the world that he's just got on strings. Um, me personally, I see Gareth Bale at Man United. Because I don't think United, I think United will get bored of trying to pursue Sancho. Um, they need a right winger. Gareth Bale has played out on the right um, for a number of years, and I just think it fits. It fits perfectly um, because it's a need that Manchester United need a right winger. He needs to play football. Um, obviously, he's sponsored by Adidas. Man United sponsored by Adidas, so. I, I can just see that one happening. And then again, commercially, that will just go through the roof. Um, and then I think it will be a similar makeup of a deal um, to the Pogba one at, at Man United. So there could be a scenario whereby Adidas as a brand step in and help with that deal to make it happen. Um, but yeah, do it. I, listen, again, like I say, I'd love Bale at Tottenham, but... I just want to remember Gareth Bale for what he was at Tottenham and not yes. and I don't want to tarnish any any of those memories like those good memories that I've got like I say so that's that's my view on on Gareth Bale. Yeah, it's it's a hard one I think with him like I fully I actually fully understand your points. Um Yay. I think the big one, <laughs> I, I think I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is the injuries though um, yeah. and the lack of football he has played. Um, over the past however long and it's it, and I just think I think he would be under a lot of pressure by coming yeah. back because obviously a lot of expectations would be on him um, but obviously you've got players who are at the club who do pick up injuries so I don't I can't see Lamella going even if even if we did sign by I couldn't see Lamella going because Jose loves him he's so settled in London he loves the club but then you say, for example, you'd have Lamella, you'd have Bale, you'd have, I think you could put Kane in that bracket um, of injuries now. Like, or, you know, you've got players with them injuries and just like, okay, it would just be a bit worrying. You need players who you can rely on, as you said. And I think Bale isn't one of those you could rely on because of them injuries. Um I think that's one of the biggest things for me. And obviously, if you're on mega bucks, even on that 50% thing, um, it's like furlough, isn't it? Um, it's bad <laughs> um, about furlough, I've heard. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's a weird one because every, look, I think every Tottenham fan, like any Tottenham fan who says, oh, I wouldn't like to see Vale back at Spurs, to some degree is lying. Okay, like like you said, you would love to see him back, but there's a few other things what play on your mind of why you wouldn't want him back. So I think every every fan would love to see him back in a Tottenham shirt to some degree, but it's it's a hard one. Um, but that's the thing. I don't I don't know if it will happen or not. I you know I'm not saying it is likely to happen. I think Troy Deeney is more likely to happen, and probably I don't know. I mean, someone from Don's or something. Do you know what I mean? It's, you never know, do you? And it's just, I, I just would like to see one big signing, like one big big signing. But obviously, with the COVID stuff, with everything what's going on, it's unlikely. And um, I'm not gonna lie, at the start of the window, I thought, you know, we will make one big signing. We will. Now I'm like, we won't. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. The next. Bit. How long is the actual window open for? Because I know obviously there's that EFL Prem one, but I'm not really counting that. I'm counting, you know, like the international transfer window. Um, I can't really remember. I believe. It's, end of October, I think it's around the. I want to say in and around the 20th of October. Don't don't quote me on that. But if there is anybody that does know, please let us know um, when when that transfer window does does close. Um, but do you? I got a question for you. Do you feel like perhaps because this striker situation and this striker issue isn't new, and I think actually if we look back a good few years, 
it's been an issue for a while. Um, so are you of the opinion then that whoever the decision makers are at the football club, obviously we've had a few over, over time. Um, we've had Franco Baldini, um, any managers that we've had, um, whether that be AVB, Pochettino, Mourinho, Daniel Levy, whoever, Steve Hitchin um, as, as well involved in that process and, and Paul Mitchell. Um, do you feel like that they've, they've missed a trick? Because surely, surely, I mean, we could be going back here to at least 2013, arguably when Jermaine Defoe left um, and, and whatnot. So do you feel like we've, we've missed a trick massively and that there have been players available for us and we've just not got them? And, and would, would you have liked to have seen somebody like Callum Wilson come in for, for £20 million? Pounds? I think it is, a, it is a very good question and I think with the striker you've got a massive debate um, obviously signing a striker but I think people don't think like, yeah, they don't think about it that much they just think oh we need to sign a striker no matter what but obviously you've got one of the best strikers in the world you know one of, and we don't play in a formation where you can have two strikers Harry Kane will be playing all the big games, um, unless if he's injured. He'll be playing most of the games in the Premier League. Um, when you get into the knockout of the Europa League, he will be playing. And I think you've got, and it's hard. I think Jose Mourinho came out and said something. It's like the mindset of a striker, what would be coming in? Um, they would need to be hungry. They need to be wanting to improve themselves and improving the team and stuff like that and you think but people just think it's so easy to sign a striker it isn't when you've got to strike of Harry Kane's ability and profile because everyone's thinking I, I can't, they're like I won't dislodge him he's a Tottenham because he's a Tottenham lad English England captain best strike, one of the best strikers in the world do you know what I mean like what striker out there apart from Lewandowski, maybe, could come in and take Kane's place. It, you know, I mean, that's a genuine question, I think. So you look at it, yes, I would, I would have loved Callum Wilson. I think I've said that on here before. I think Callum Wilson would have been a fantastic striker to have. But he's going to Newcastle and he's going to be the main man. Do you know what I mean? And, he's, he's going, and I think, especially with the Euros, you've got players thinking, right, I can really, Callum Wilson's probably thinking, oh, I could get in the England squad if I work hard enough here. Um, you know, behind Kane, <laughs> funny enough. But, you know, I mean, you've got, you've got that as well, which is a massive thing that you've got to be working on because players will be wanting to get into their positions for their international teams. So, it, it is a hard one. Um, I, get, I, I know, you know, I've joked about Troy Deeney and everything. But I guess part of me wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever because it's a striker, it's a body and he is Premier League proven and he's hung, you know, he's a very aggressive person and I think, do you know, if there's no one else, do you know what I mean? It's one of them where you think, okay, if he's happy to come in in that thing, then yeah, fair enough. Or, I know, is it um, a Salzburg player we've been linked with, a young yep. lad? Yeah, I know the one you're on. About. You know, someone. I, I don't know much. I don't know anything about this lad. Like, I don't even know his name for crying out loud. I just remember. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's another gamble of a signing like that and everything. But it's still better than no one. And you know, I think the problem is, as a club, we will have to take a gamble because of the Harry Kane stuff. Like, that, that's that's the truth. Because you're not going like. You're not going to be able to go and take top strikers from other teams. As simple as that. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have minded Callum Wilson. I wouldn't have minded Ollie Watkins. Um, you know, players like that. But they're wanting to play regular Premier League football. Simple as that. Um, does that answer your question? And uh, obviously... Yeah, yeah. Just um, as you was as you were speaking there, I was, I was coming up with a few things. I think Ollie Watkins, that one for me is interesting um, because, granted, he was what part of one of 
the most dynamic front threes in the championship last season. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be shopping in the championship or lower leagues because in the past it's proven to come quite good for us. Um, but if you're part of one of a dynamic front three that was getting so much attention and so many headlines, he didn't win the golden boot, by the way, and he didn't even get promoted. So there was that with me. It was like, well, if he's that good, I know, I know there's like other players, other tip, bloody, bloody, blah. But if he was, if, if that front three were that good, they would have gone up. Um, and actually, I, I think, think Brentford, Brentford were in the driving seat going into those last few games um, of the championship last season and choked a little bit. Mm. Um, there is also that argument, and you know, it is a it is a, a fairly good one of well, we might perform better with better players around him, um, and I completely get that and I completely understand it. But then the fee that was being branded. I mean, Aston Villa has spent 28 million rising to 33 million on someone that has never kicked a ball in the Premier League. I I just want to say I do agree with that. But has played lower leagues. So I know, listen, I know Villa's shopping market is going to be completely different to us. You know, we're probably shopping in Waitrose and M&S and Aston Villa are shopping in Tesco and Asda. Yeah, I get that. But, like I say, if you're spending that much money on a striker who, like I say, didn't win the golden boot because Mitrovic won it, to my belief, um, didn't go get promoted and actually went missing in those bigger games. Um, do you know what I mean? But like I say, it, it probably suits Villa's needs better than ours. Um, my next point, Joe, which I think will be an interesting one, is that you mentioned regarding how difficult it is for Tottenham to buy a striker because we have Harry Kane. But then at the same time, and I get your point, 100% understand your point, that it is going to be so, so difficult. But how can Chelsea, for example, have three strikers already on their books? In And they are not bad strikers. I'm not saying they're top class, but they're not bad mm-hmm. centre-forwards in terms of Abraham, Giroud, Batshuayi and yet still sign another striker in Timo Werner. How can Man United have Rashford, Martial, Greenwood to a certain degree? I know he's burst onto the scene, but, you know, massive, massive favourite at Man United. Um, And yet they still go and get Agarlo. All right. How can City have Aguero, one of the best strikers in the league, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, yet they went out and bought Gabriel Jesus for 30 million. How can I think, Liverpool? How can Liverpool still have Roberto Firmino and Divock Origi? Um, and say, people say what you want about Divock Origi. That guy turns up in big games. I don't care what anyone says, right? Um, so, and, it, and look at Arsenal. They had Lacazette that they bought in. Six months later, they went and bought Aubameyang. And now they have Eddie and Ketia coming through, who's of, who's of a good age as well, and is a decent centre forward. So. My point here is how how is it so hard for us to get a striker when our competitors in and around us find it easier to get a striker? I know it might it might need breaking down here club by club, but just wanted to yeah. throw that one throw that one out there because I think that will be the debate that some people will probably argue. No, okay, yeah, I I think that's interesting. I'll start off with Chelsea as obviously you went for them first. Um obviously you'd start off with Batshuayi. He was never really been in that Chelsea team for I don't know how long. So and obviously he's been shipped out on loan now to Palace again, hasn't he? Yeah. So you know that one I don't think was ever really in contention. You've got Giroud, obviously. Yeah, he's getting he's on getting on a bit now, um, and I think he's always he's never. So you start he was starting a lot of games last season, but you could always tell Chelsea didn't necessarily want that. Um, because, and I think Abraham, I just don't, obviously had a good start last season, but I don't, I just, I think the level what Chelsea needed to go to wasn't good enough. Simple as that. I don't think, I'm not Abraham's biggest fan, personally. Um, so I think Werner, they'll, they'll be contacting Werner, going, we want you to come in and be our main man. 
you know what I mean? They'll be saying, you know, and Werner will be looking at Giroud and Abraham, because obviously that's why I'm not really counting in that, because he was out the door really anyway. So you'll be looking at that thinking, right, Giroud, yes, I think I rate Giroud so highly. I've said that on here before. I, I'd have loved him at Tottenham. I still would, would to be honest. Um, but Timo Werner is one of the, you know, he's really, really building his profile. He's a class striker. Um, I wouldn't say world class yet. He hasn't done enough yet to prove that. He's getting to there, don't get me wrong. Um, but he would be looking at that and go, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm better than Giroud. Um, and I think it will be mainly Werner and Giroud maybe swapping. I think Abraham wouldn't surprise me if he went out on loan again somewhere or something like that. Um, I, I, I know that might be a bit harsh, but I don't think back end of last season or the second half of last season, I don't think he was good enough. Simple as that. You've then got Man United, obviously, as you were saying with Igalo. Igalo is one of them. Obviously, United has got a bigger pool than us because it's Manchester United. And Igalo was a Manchester United fan, which was well put out in the media. Um, and it's literally his dream come true. So I think that one is just in its own bracket. Um, City, I think obviously you've got, you know, bringing Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus at the time wasn't necessarily proven though. Um, you know, yes, he was, he was like a hot prospect, wasn't he? So that, that's what I mean is that, like, I think what I said earlier was obviously with this Salzburg striker, he could be a hot prospect. He could come in and be someone like that. So that's what I mean. I think you've got to take gambles at times. Um, and I think that is maybe what we would do. I think it's either going to be a gamble on a young striker or it's going to be Troy Deeney. We're going to be one of them two. Um, and then with Liverpool, obviously, yet again, Divock Origi wasn't necessarily one of the biggest strikers in the game before he went to Liverpool. Um, do you know what I mean? So, and yeah, he has done, and, but yes, he has done well at Liverpool, especially in the big games like you said so it is it's hard because I don't, I don't know it's, it's, it's just, it is frustrating and I'm with every other Tottenham fan I'm screaming at poor striker however it's not as easy as people make it out to be and that's the thing what frustrates me you're like, you go on Facebook or you go on stuff or oh, why haven't we signed a striker it's not good enough not good enough it's not as easy as you think mate just pipe down a little do you know what I mean get a job like calm it down like it does my head in, and you just sort of think. But then, but then, Joe, you say that. It, it, but then, as I'll, I'll just come back to it again. It's like our rivals have found it easier to buy strikers when they perhaps already have strikers in place. Okay. Yet they've okay, still they... managed. They've still managed to get a striker to then have that level of competition. Whereas for us, it's it's struggled. I guess we all thought that Vincent Janssen was going to be that guy. Um, and for one reason or another, didn't work out for him. Um, so then we, we shipped him off and we got Lorente in, um, who I did read somewhere, again, is a free agent. So the man with the best hip in football um, is, is, now, is now a free agent. Um, so, yeah, like I say, it, it's, it's one of those where, you know, that's, I think that's probably why a lot of fans are frustrated. It's because we see competitors or even other teams in the Premier League still have more striking options than what we do. I think the only one that's probably got a poorer striking option, ratio, whatever you want to call it, is West Ham. Is West Ham. Because think, but then West Ham's situation over there is 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 crazy. Um but then you spoke about Igalo with the pull of being a Manchester United fan. Etc. Etc. Callum Wilson is a massive Tottenham fan, so if there was any yeah. level of interest there, you mentioned the pull of the support of being a fan of that particular club. There's a there's a scenario yeah. there where we could have we could have really played in that. But with the Callum Wilson thing, like I think maybe next year, say if this was next year, then that I think that would have been a different story. However, as I said, Euros. I think he'll be pushing Danny Ings for that um, second striker spot um, or you know, first striker spot, whatever. 
But do you know what I mean? I think that is the big thing for him at the minute. Um, so it, it's one of them where you think it, it's, it's going it, to, it's one of them. Um, and plus, Igalo, by the way, Igalo, Igalo was playing in the Chinese league and literally doing, you know, no other team's really that big into him. I think we was a little bit, but I don't think to the degree of Man United. So, yes, of course, then you're going to go to them. So, either that or stay in the Chinese league. It is a bit different to Callum Wilson's scenario where he's got, right, you can come and play first choice for either Villa, Newcastle, because um, so obviously they were the two teams really in for him as well, or come and be a backup and not get any Euros at Tottenham. The, the, you know, and I think you've got to look at it from the player's perspective rather than the fan's perspective from Callum Wilson. You'll be thinking, Obviously, I would love to play for Tottenham because that's my boyhood club and everything. However, I've got an opportunity to push that England spot. Um, so you, it's one of them with him. Um, yeah, simple as that. No, it's just interesting to to get your get your thoughts on it. And um, yeah, I think think you uh, you did well under the pressure, unlike uh, unlike we did today. To be fair. Um, yeah. Joe, is there anything else that you want to perhaps perhaps touch on just before we we wrap it up? Um, not not really, to be honest. It's just I was just still really annoyed, um, obviously. But I, I think, as I said earlier on in the episode earlier, um, obviously we've spoken about it. Um, we will be doing a review of the uh, All or Nothing documentary. Um, I'm sure all of you have been watching it as we have and it's been I've personally found it really interesting. Obviously we won't go into it in detail now because that'll be a whole other episode. Uh, um, but obviously next episodes are out tomorrow aren't they? So watch this space on the review because um, that'll probably be a, a special episode rather than a uh, a weekly one won't it? Because uh, I think that's going to be a very interesting one. Um, but apart from that, I think that's all I've got to say for tonight. I think I'm going to go and drink about another 1,700 pints to try and drown my sorrows um, of the game tonight. And kids, don't worry, that is uh, juice. Adults, you know. Um, <laughs> simple as that. Uh, what about you? Um, I think we have pretty much covered it, and I think you've teed us up. Um, nicely for the for the next for another one the all or nothing um, and as Joe said we will be we will be delving into those and giving our giving our thoughts um, on those and we decided to do it as one big review if you like of the all or nothing as opposed to nine separate ones um, so we hope you understand our reasoning for that um, just leaves me to say that please 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 give this video on YouTube a like and comment your thoughts on anything that we have we have said um, tonight make sure please that you subscribe to the channel it will mean a massive massive deal to both of us um, and don't forget we are still pushing for that 100 subscriber mark um, and we will be doing a, a big giveaway um, should we hit that new season so if there are any new people watching again make sure you subscribe to the channel for more we are on social media as well so please give us a follow on all social media platforms at only one hotspur um, and this episode is on Spotify um, should you wish to rather listen to it as opposed to seeing um, mine and Joe's ugly mugs on on a screen um, and that concludes tonight all that leaves me to say is up the Spurs. Up the Spurs.